From Plughead Studios in Largo, Florida, I'm Scott. I've not got Abram making noise. Oh, I'm Abram. Oh, there you are. <laughs> I know, I threw, the, threw you off. I changed the thing up this week. <laughs> and this is F5 Live Refreshing Technology, episode 452, a proud part of the Tech Podcast Network. This week, Bill Belichick confuses the internet. Hackers take down a large part of the internet, and AT&T wants to own television and the internet. How are you doing there, Avram? Not bad. Good to hear. Been a good week? Decent. Lots of lots of cool products coming in, lots of things to review. Uh, really cool stuff on LaptopMag.com. Got to check out our reviews of the yoga books and the new HP Spectre X360 and Lenovo Yoga 910. Uh, so lots of neat things, uh, lots of neat toys. You guys have had a lot of fun this week, it seemed like. Um, we are here, and wherever you are and however you're accessing our show, whether it be Facebook, iTunes, the Podcast Play app in the Windows Store, our homes on uh, Livestream or Stitcher, of course, on our apps, pluggitslive.com slash apps. Uh, thank you for making us part of your week. To, uh, this here is F5 Live Refreshing Technology, the flagship show on the Plunkets Live family of content. We are live Sunday nights at about 9 p.m. Eastern. We run for about an hour. You can join us live at that time in the chat room by going to f5live.tv slash join us. Um, feel free to comment on the topics as we talk about them as we go along. Uh, we love to include the, uh, the input from our audience into our discussions uh, so definitely make sure that you're in there and uh, keeping up with us if you're not able to join us live it is okay you can uh, subscribe to all of our shows by going to f5live.tv clicking the subscribe buttons on the right hand side over there you'll see the f5 live our feed here of course the pilch point with avram pilch where he discusses topics like what he was just talking about. Uh, sometimes we talk about reviews, uh, products that they've had in their uh, in their hands. Sometimes we talk about uh, news of the week. Sometimes we talk about stats, which I think is what we're going to talk about tonight. Uh, you can also subscribe to the special events feed, uh, which just got, I think, uh, 13 new interviews from our... Um, Pinellas Comic and MakerCon event a couple of weeks ago. First Looks is there as well, and that will be seeing some new interviews over the next couple of days from Roboticon. Uh, in the next couple of days, you will see the new product Launchpad show up there as well. We recorded some of our uh, content yesterday, and we're very excited to finally start bringing some interviews to you. Our first interview is something that I think a lot of people are going to be very interested in. It's... Uh, non-earbuds it's basically portable speakers for runners bikers all of that so that you can hear background noise and be comfortable put them in your helmet all of that it's a really cool idea uh you won't want to miss that so subscribe to that as well um i think that's the intro so uh, <laughs> uh as you can tell it's been a an interesting week here as well for us <laughs> it's uh for me, it's been a week of editing, lots and lots of editing. I've <laughs> I've gotten myself caught up on this show, your show, Avram, uh, special events. All I've got now is the the first look stuff and the uh, 
the launch pad stuff. I'm pretty excited. I'm kind of getting caught up, which is impressive considering how far behind I was. I know what the far behind is. That's for sure. I have a lot of pile of things I need to to write oh. <laughs> this week. I've that I should have written like two weeks ago. <laughs> so I understand that. I uh, for people who have been regularly watching the show, you've probably noticed that since before uh, Pinell's Comic and Maker Con, I've had this yellow wrist thing on. Uh, that's a review product that. I have not written a review for, and I think that event was six weeks ago. So I've gotten a little behind on those as well. I've got a whole collection of stuff. Two computer cases. We've uh, formed a new uh, partnership for those who keep an eye on the on the Facebook and stuff. Uh, we've created a new partnership with uh, Rosewill, who has been giving us some special deals on the website. We've uh, and I've got two computer cases to review. If you follow me on Facebook, you saw uh, one of them, the more exciting of the two, as I built a computer in it the other day, and I love that case. Tempered glass, tote, which seems weird. You're like, uh, my first thought was, why not just acrylic? Oh, because acrylic doesn't glow the way tempered glass glows. <laughs> this case is awesome. Did you see the pictures, Abram? I think I saw some of them, but not the whole, not the whole thing. I think I only posted three. Ah, yeah. Well, very cool. They make Roseville makes some great products. They really do. I've got. Uh, I reviewed some computer speakers from them a couple months back, maybe three or four months back, and that was kind of the beginning of this new relationship with them. I like their gaming keyboards a lot. Okay. That's that's my that's my that's my quick comment. I like uh, some of their gaming keyboards. I'm forgetting. I think it's like the RK900 or something. Okay. Actually, has a feature I haven't seen a lot of other places where you can pull the USB cable out, so you can actually detach the USB cable from the keyboard. Interesting. Um, which you don't see a lot. It's usually built in. That would that would be good uh, for traveling with the keyboard for sure. Yeah, that would and be... if it gets messed up, you can just replace it because it's oh. it's standard. I think it's standard mini to 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 type A. So. Oh, okay, yeah. So so like for us, that would be really good when we get when we take the the studio on the road. Uh, you don't have to wrap the cable and all of that, and you know put pressure on that on that connector joint, which is always the place that everything breaks. You remove that connector joint, and then yeah. if it does get messed up, you just replace it. Yeah, exactly. So I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, I like that. I'm going to have to talk to them about their keyboards. See if I can get them to put one in here. Anyway, so uh, we've got some, some news to talk about. Yep. Let's get to it. This week's Nifty Gifties on F5 Live is proudly powered by the Microsoft Store. Whether you are a student, a small business, a developer, the Microsoft Store has something for you. Right now, you can save up to $150 on select Surface Books. You can uh, get a free Microsoft Store gift card with uh, Surface, Surface Pro, or uh, Surface Book. And of course, uh, you can get the Xbox One S by far the coolest Xbox ever with up to two terabytes of storage in it, which is 
crazy time. And of course, there are some of the, the coolest looking bundles I've seen for any console um, on the Xbox One S. So definitely worth checking out. But of course, there's other stuff as well. All of the Windows 10 PCs, tablets, uh, phones, everything you could want uh, is available to you by going to f5live.tv slash Microsoft. You doing okay over there, Avram? Avram. Hello. Yeah. Uh, I, I lost your voice there for a second. Oh, okay. I lost sound. You're able to hear me now, though. Yes, I can hear you now. Fantastic. Sorry, I wasn't sure if it was my connection or, or you. Got it. We seem to have it figured out. So, um, this week, something kind of strange happened. And for the first time since uh, the host switch up here, uh, we're going to talk about the NFL for a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, I think, a little bit of a strange scenario for the two of us, but that's okay. Because what we're actually going to be talking about is um, the weird response that the internet had to some comments that Bill Belichick, for those of you who are not sports people, Bill Belichick is the uh, head coach of the Patriots. Um, he made some comments in a conference call on Tuesday that seemingly confused everybody. I, I saw articles, I, I read, I think, 16 or 18 articles before... Um, feeling I needed to to write this and then for us to talk about it tonight. What he said was um, that wireless stuff sucks, which I can totally attest to. For anybody who was at Roboticon, you will know that our wireless cameras came and went and that our wireless HDMI came and went and went so badly that we replaced it with a cable. Uh, that wireless, especially in a sports arena, is a huge problem because there's so much other wireless stuff, right? So what do they use? They've got the surfaces from Microsoft. They've got uh, their communication headsets, which are wireless clear comms uh, from Motorola. They have um, wireless communication between the coach and the, uh, the quarterback, as well as a couple of other uh, players out on the field and then that's just them the other team has the same thing and then you have all of the tv cameras and the wireless clear comms for those guys and um <clears throat> you've got people setting up hot spots in the in the stands and then there's the wi-fi in the stands and right there's a lot of wireless everywhere so of course wireless sucks right I imagine that even like in your office environment, we, we've we talked about cellular, how cellular kind of in a place that it shouldn't kind of craps out surprisingly. Yeah. No, no question about it. So uh, what he said was wireless sucks. We have so much stuff and uh, it never works and it's none of it's our equipment. It's all owned by the league and um, I'm tired of it and I want to take back some control I'm not going to get rid of my headset to talk to the coaches I'm not going to get rid of my earpiece to talk to the quarterback so the thing I can control is I'm going back to physical notebooks and he even said 
do I love the ability to be able to, to see video? Yes. But because of the wireless, it doesn't usually happen. So here's my question about this. I totally – so number one, I think that the, the, my key takeaway from the story is mm -hmm. a lot of tech um, publications, a lot of news outlets really framed the story all wrong because yeah. – the real story isn't nearly as clickbaity as the headline that they can make out of it. Right. Because the headline is Bill Belichick disses the surface. Right. Oh man, look what he said about Microsoft's tablet. You know, is Microsoft's tablet not good? You know, have has he is he speaking? You know, is is it a does it have problems? You know. So when I first saw the headlines and saw the news and people in my office talking about it, they were talking about just, he, he dissed the surface. I really wanted to read what he said mm -hmm. because it would be interesting if he said something like, well, the battery life's not very good because we found that Surface Pro 4 battery life on our test is so-so. Uh, right. You know? Which is, uh, which is part of the reason why the coaches have those specialized bright blue cases. They've got extended batteries in them, among other things. Oh, okay. So, so there's, you know, so there's a plus, I mean, I don't know how long they're using it. If they, I, I, I learned this cause I'm not a big, a huge NFL fan and I certainly haven't been following their tech, um, that they not only have the special tablets, but they, they only get it. They're not allowed to keep it all week. They're given it by the NFL before game time and they take it away after. Yeah. Which is crazy, um, right? Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, I went, uh, and so, so let's let's look at that aspect of it, right? Mm -hmm. You only get it for a couple of hours, which means that your team's stuff is not on it. It means you have yeah. to any videos or playbooks or any of that stuff has to come from a remote server because you certainly don't want to leave it on there. And God forbid the NFL doesn't What's... clear it properly before the next game, and all of a sudden the Giants also you wouldn't have time to put it on. So right. There, there's, it's, it's so illogical. Like, I don't understand. I understand that there's some deal going on here and money's changing hands and they have to use Surface. Great. But why don't they allow the team to have their own IT people? I don't understand. Well, apparently the teams do have their own IT people. And I believe that the, the name of the IT guy for, uh, for the Patriots is um, Doug. <laughs> He was but, he was mentioned in the thing, but he can only do so much if he's only got the equipment right. three hours before game time. That's what I mean, like, why don't they just allow them to possess their own? Like, what yeah. what can they do with it that would be bad? And like, what cheating could go on? I don't right? understand. And it's not like it seems like cheating or at least accidental cheating would be far more likely in trading devices around because, you know, you download your playbook over a wireless yeah. network it gets cached on the computer you give it's, it back to the not, nfl and then you hand the same tablet next week to the giants and now the giants have the patriots oh, playbook your voice That's disappeared again uh-oh um i will uh, we will figure that out um but uh you know uh -oh. all of a sudden the the giants have the patriots playbook that is the definition of disaster yeah no no question about it it makes no sense yeah I don't understand. I think there's some rule against that they can't actually be getting the live video of the event, and right. so this prevents it. Fair enough. 
but I don't even understand why why there's such a rule that they can't get live video. I mean, they're there; they can see what's going on, <laughs> and they have someone up in the eye in the sky person that they talk to on the headset, right? Right. Who does have video? So why not allow them to have access to any you know to live video of the event? I mean, it's the weirdest I, thing ever. I mean, I guess. I guess you wouldn't want, since they can talk to the quarterback, I guess you wouldn't want them to be like, hey, I see on TV that the guy's open. Like, I guess you, you know, I guess if they could tell it in the moment what was happening, that would be bad. Fair enough. You know, um, so I guess they have to be careful about that. But, um, but still, I mean, it's a, wouldn't they actually, the best scenario be, listen, these, these tablets can't, can't have Wi-Fi. So you can't get on the internet with them and do all kinds of weird things? Right, here. But you can have as many offline materials as you want? Exactly. Here's a Surface. Uh, Install whatever you need to on it. And then uh, we have a Wi-Fi kill switch for during the game. Yeah, that that makes sense to me. Look, if the talk about hypocrisy. The NFL was allowing teams to to have control of their own footballs, but not their own tablets. (laughs) I hadn't even considered that weirdness. <laughs> right? I mean, that was what the whole Deflategate thing was about, right. was that they had control of the football and therefore allegedly uh, deflate, deflated it. So, wait a second. You don't think the football is valuable enough <laughs> to be watched over by your by neutral officials? Right. But the tablet is? <laughs> think about that. Yeah, it's it's pretty silly. Uh, I, I guess the, the important takeaway from all of this is that um, he doesn't dislike the surface. He doesn't he dislike the Wi-Fi. Exactly. He, in fact, he even said positive things. He's like, I really love the ability to be able to watch video on the thing of previous games and see, you know, scouting stuff. But since it doesn't work regularly enough, I'd rather have my book that I know I know my notebook is going to have the pages in the same order and they're always going to be there no matter what happens. <clears throat> Which, as tech people, I think there's nobody on earth who can appreciate that sentiment more than tech people. Because how many times have you thought, sitting in a, in a press conference and the, tab- the computer does something that you don't want it to and you've thought about just taking it over your knee and going home? Yeah, no, uh, yeah, it, it, uh, I I could totally I could totally understand, you know, I, I would have uh, I I was kind of you know thinking man he's going to come out with something that's really going to cause you know something that's like legit about either Windows or or Surface because you could find things like the battery life or sure God forbid it runs a wind start suddenly starts to run a Windows update uh-huh. in the middle of in in the middle of the fourth quarter or something <laughs> like that, you know, yeah, so. You know, but no, it's Wi-Fi. Could have been any device. Yeah, it's um, it it could you know whether they were using a Surface or an iPad or an Android tablet, it doesn't it doesn't matter. They were all going to suffer from this particular NFL screw up. Yep, but that headline doesn't get clicked as much. Belichick exactly. upset about poor Wi-Fi. <laughs> exactly, um, but I mean, I don't watch. I don't watch the NFL a whole lot, but I can tell you, um, 
it seems like anytime you turn it on, you see them throwing their headsets down and grabbing a phone because those don't work either. <laughs> but nobody's out there saying Bill Belichick hates Motorola. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So the, the, the takeaway here is uh, clickbait headlines or people who didn't quite understand his comments <laughs> is what happened. So. This week's Pilch Point with Abram Pilch is proudly powered by Monster Products. The headphones on my head right now, the titanium uh, Monster Elements available in uh, <clears throat> up to five colors. Uh, basically, the colors that the iPhone comes in this season, all available right here, which is pretty cool. Uh, match your, your headset to your phone. Of course, on-ear, over-ear headphones aren't for everybody. They've also got uh, earbuds and the Monster Blaster boombox, which is a fascinating way of bringing back the, the boombox of yesteryear. Uh, basically, they've got something to match everybody's style. And to find out how you can match your style, you can go to f5live.tv slash monster. And that music means that it is time for the Pilch Point with online editorial director of Laptop Magazine and Tom's Guide, Abram Pilch. Abram, how you doing? Good. It, Good. A little weird to be able to hear the music, right? Yes. It's <laughs> like trying to time it. Like, when do I think the music did start? Because I normally can't hear it when right. I'm playing it now. Nowadays. <laughs> but, uh, very cool. Getting on my, uh, getting on my pretend bike uh the um well it's been an exciting for those who haven't tuned into the rest of the show it's been an exciting week at laptopmag.com and tomsguide.com where i'm online editorial director we had some some fascinating products that we checked out this week including the the on uh, tom's guide the google pixel xl and uh on laptop the lenovo yoga books and yoga 910 uh so a lot of cool a lot of really interesting products uh, on those sites to check out, um, which we which we got to review. But today I want to talk about somewhat of a larger and older trend, which is what size of laptop people are buying. Um, it's kind of surprising uh, when you figure when you realize what the most popular laptop size is. So before I told you, Scott, uh, before the show, did you know what the what did you think it was? Uh, it's a fair question, and I probably wouldn't have wouldn't have been able to guess too educatedly, I guess. Um, but from my time in retail a number of years ago, I would have guessed uh, 15, 15.4, which was the size that we sold the most of in in the store. I don't know if that's still a size or not but it's generally i mean you know i'm we're abbreviating this to just 15 inch but it's generally 15.6 okay. now because of the switch to 16.9 from 4.3 i think right and that's the aspect ratio switch or yeah. actually what, what was 16.10 and then 
Anyway, let's not. I won't. I won't confuse the audience. But because of switches and the aspect ratios of screens, while in the past some of them were fifteen four, a fifteen inch now is really 15, usually fifteen point six inches. Okay. But Scott is correct and is still correct today. Fifteen inch, uh, as of as of this year, Q three latest data in the U S is by far and away the most popular screen size for consumers. Uh, according to data that I got from NPD, which is a firm that studies this stuff, uh, in Q3, this is Windows Notebooks, I should say. It does not include Macs. Okay. Uh, 68% of clamshell notebooks, 68.1%, were 15 inches. Uh, of two-in-ones, which, you know, there actually aren't that many 15-inch two-in-ones. There are a few. Uh, 39.8% are 15 inch and that's a plurality. That's the most of any, any size. Um, so a lot of people are still buying 15 inch laptops. Um, now, uh, there's good reasons why they buy them. Uh, one is that 15 inches tend to be, but are not, but depending on how you, you shop are not necessarily the cheapest um but they tend to be uh to give you a lot of you know give you bang for your buck sure or or cheap stuff a lot of the cheaper stuff tends to be 15 inch uh and uh people who are buying a computer and they don't they're sort of betwixt in between having a desktop and having a laptop this seems like a compromise to them because it's like well i want a laptop so i can move it around the house but I don't really, and so I don't have to set it up with all these wires. Uh, so, you know, but I'm not taking anywhere. So give me the big screen. Um, obviously, there are a few people who buy 17-inch laptops, uh, but that's a much smaller percentage because those are just really big and and um, less, you know, less common. Although you can get them, uh, 17 inches Usually account in for gaming 10%. Rigs. Yeah, they're mostly gaming. You know, but you can get a 17-inch uh, Dell consumer laptop if you want one. Um, so this is an interesting thing. I don't, you know, I I understand why people want the 15-inch. Um, I was on, I did a guest spot on a uh, on a local Florida radio station uh, this past week. Um, and the um, the host had asked me on to talk about laptop advice, and she and I got into this whole conversation about she wants a 15 – she's very much an everyday consumer, okay. and she wants a 15-inch laptop. Uh, and she said, because, you know, I want a big screen, and this is going to give me a big screen, and I don't, I don't care about taking – I don't take it anywhere. I don't take it out of the house. Um and my point to her, and I think I might have sold her on it, but let me try and sell the audience on this, is that you should not get a 15-inch laptop unless, caveat, you're buying it for gaming or you're buying it for some type of a graphics or workstation use where you need a bigger screen, like you're going and you're doing video editing uh, on, on location. Or something like that, or you're, you know, for gaming, you're most likely 
or for a workstation, you're going to need something at least 15 inches to fit the really uh, the really power consuming large hardware that you need. Like, you know, if you're getting something with like NVIDIA Quadro Graphics, which is for architects uh, and people who do 3D modeling to use, you know, a 15 inch system makes sense. But for those of you who are just everyday knowledge workers or everyday consumers who want something to use around the house, use at school um, to do, you know, surfing the web, your work, maybe some Photoshop. I really have to recommend that folks look for something smaller, like a 14 inch or a 13 inch uh, laptop. And the reason is because it's going to almost certainly be lighter. It's going to almost certainly have better battery life. Um, and you probably can use it on your lap, but for the really, really expensive 15-inch laptops. And there are those out there, don't, don't get me wrong. Like the Dell XPS 15 is a very nice system. It starts at $999, and that's even without the, most of the features you'd want. So you're going to be probably spending $1,300, $1,500, $1,500 on that. That's nice and thin and light and beautiful and can probably fit on fit on your lap and it's 15 inches. But, the, but within the price range that a lot of people want to spend – uh, 15-inch laptops are usually quite bulky. And if you really need the big screen and you don't plan to leave your house, then get the laptop and buy a $99 monitor and plug it into the $99 monitor. Then you'll have a 21-inch, 22-inch screen when you're sitting at home. But if you want to be able to take this laptop and use it on your couch and use it in your bed and use it in the kitchen table you really want something that not only can you carry, but that gets at least seven or eight hours of battery life. Because no matter where you are in your house, unless you're in just the perfect location, it's a hassle to keep plugging in. I mean, sure, great. You're in a house, there's electricity all, all around. But do you want to be sitting on the sitting at the kitchen table and then have to run a wire across the room to get to the socket? And then your your kid goes running in and yanks the wire, you know, knocks in the wire and yanks it out. Or your cat thinks that it's a string and starts playing with it. Like, it's a pain in the butt. So even within the home, even if your laptop never leaves your home or only goes from your home to your office where you have electricity everywhere, having battery life means that you have the flexibility to work or play where you want within the building. Uh without literally being tethered to the wall. Uh, and if you get a 15-inch laptop, uh, the typical consumer 15-inch laptop is too bulky and has too short of a battery life to to meet that need. You know, But people are still buying them, uh, obviously. So let me talk to that 68% of you. <laughs> think, think again. I understand why you want the big screen. I really do. It's nice to be able to see more. But then, but then the question is, are you buying a laptop or are you buying a desktop? And if you're buying a laptop and you want to use it at your desk, do what a lot of us do. Get a monitor to plug it into when it's at your desk. Or, yeah. uh, or even, even better, get a, uh, a monitor and a docking station. Yeah, well, so I mean, that, so know, that, that's, the, that's the long answer. But yeah, I mean, that's really what you should do is you should get a universal docking station. We have a, a list of them on, on laptopmag.com of top docking stations. 
we have, you know, there are ones that are, you know, $90 or something that you can do a single that will output to dual monitors for you and as, and as many peripherals as you want over a single USB cable. So you only have to plug in one thing when you get to your desk, that and the power. And if you've got a newer laptop that takes USB Type-C for power, you can you actually can do it over just a single cable mm-hmm. for both power and data. So not a lot of wire plugging uh, to move back and forth, you know. And you can have your desktop equivalent when you're on a desk. And then when you want to go sit on the couch, you know, you don't have to worry about, oh, man, where's the outlet? Oh, I got to stretch over to the outlet. Oh man, I hope I hope that I hope the cat doesn't start chewing on this wire. So, you know, I um, so I really would like to see these numbers go down by the time I revisit the story next year, folks. Consider the smaller notebooks. <laughs> uh, it's an interesting topic because uh, it's a conversation that uh, Mark and I have at uh, Sumo Software all the time because. For, for Mark, like in his mind, his ideal computer, his ideal laptop um, could like fit in his pocket and have a 27 inch screen. Like, you know, he he wants to be able to bend physics to, <laughs> to be able because he he wants the big screen and, for, you know, doing software, going to clients uh, offices and stuff like that. We we do need a larger screen. And so. He is in that 17-inch category. Uh, in fact, he bought that Dell consumer laptop that you were talking about. That's that's not See, an Alienware. If you're, if you're using it for business, if you're using it for business, right? Like, right. There's a there's a business use case of like, okay, someone's going to look over your shoulder as a client. I mean, there's other ways to do that. Sure. Like, you could bring a projector or something, but. You know, it may be for the situation that he's describing, like this is the best best scenario. Mm-hmm. And if you're willing to spend the money, you can get a fifth, you know, the money being like over a thousand dollars. There are a few there are a few 15 inch laptops out there that had, get pretty decent battery life and are fairly light, fairly light being like under four pounds. Um, but but still, you know, that's that's kind of the exception. I'm not saying right. nobody should ever buy one. Right. Uh, but. The 68% of people who are buying it, I'm going to guesstimate that a nice chunk of those, uh, a majority of those people are not people who need it for work right. or or play or using a, a gaming rig. Right. It's There's a lot of people, like you said, who are buying it because of the way the, the retailers uh, price them kind of into their, into their, uh, lower price point category which is a little strange but it is what it is it's also because it's the category that's currently selling so it's a bit of a catch-22 there right like yeah people keep making so you know just to back that up the average selling price for a clamshell 15 inch is 391 dollars the average selling price for a 14 inch however so i don't know why this is so low it's $243, so there's no reason you couldn't get a 14-inch. 13-inch, for some reason, I guess because there's more premium stuff in there, shots shoots up to $622. Um, this is for clamshells. For for two-in-ones, the prices are all over $500. Okay. Um, but you know, to put this in perspective, the average selling price for any laptop is usually 
like all across the board in the U.S. is usually four twenty-five. So, okay, that's what you know. While while we while we are tech people and we're walking around using thousand-dollar laptops, right? Uh, you know, people are going to Best Buy or other big box retailers, and they're and they're flunking down, you know, four hundred bucks. Which which I know uh, to consumers seems like a pretty normal price but when you said the the price of the 15 and the 14 i'm like wow they make computers that inexpensive they do i mean you're not going to get the best the best stuff um uh, i will say that among that price point we are starting to review a lot more we're trying to view it we have a list on laptopmag.com of best sub 500 notebooks and our top choice right now is is a 13 inch notebook which is the asus uh, E403 SA, uh, which lasts nine hours on a charge and is very lightweight. Nice. Um, so you can get you can get good stuff for that price if you if you know what to get. And of course, a great way to know what to get is uh, laptopmag.com. Yep. Def. Uh, de- definitely so. So definitely check us out. Uh, laptopmag.com, tomsguide.com, and of course I'm on the I'm on Twitter at, at Geek and Chief. I like that you just almost said I'm on the Twitter. Yeah, I was trying to be cute. I, was like, eh, I don't want to be so cute. <laughs> it would have been funny. <laughs> the Twitter. I'm on the Twitter. The Twitter. It it sounds uh, a little more formal that way, and maybe uh, more like a platform people want to use. Anyway, uh, <laughs> that's back to a different topic. Anyway, um, as always, Avram, we uh, appreciate you bringing the information. Um, do you have a, a timeline on when we may see your write-up on this? Yes, uh, either tomorrow or the, uh, by Tuesday for sure. Okay, so definitely this week. Excellent. Definitely this week. So you will definitely want to be go and check that out on uh, Laptop Mag. And Avram, for the rest of the show, we will, of course, see you. But for this, we will see you next week. This week's Extra Life on F5 Live is proudly powered by Tate's Comics, a family-owned and operated comic, toy, and more store in Lauderhill and Boynton Beach here in Florida. Um, If you're in the area, it is definitely worth taking the opportunity to stop by. They host events on a regular basis. Um, They have... uh, a couple of sales throughout the year and of course it is a massive store with just about anything you could imagine and next door they have a gaming satellite so if you want to go play tabletop card games anything like that uh they've got a location for that as well uh, to find out more information about the events that are coming up or uh, even to see a 3D virtual tour of the main store, you can go to tatescomics.com. All right. So we've known it was coming. We didn't know 
what it would be because that's how announcements work. Um, though we've had some rumors, the Nintendo NX is officially the Nintendo Switch, and it is a fascinating concept on gaming. Um, if you have not yet seen the uh, the teaser trailer that Nintendo released this week, we have a link to it on uh, uh, PlugHitsLive.com. You definitely want to watch it. Uh, it confirmed a couple of things for us. One, the rumor that we talked about a couple of weeks ago that it was going to be cartridge-based. It is. Um, we have heard rumors that it was going to be both home and uh, portable in some way, and it is. It has actually, in an interesting way, fulfilled the promise that Sony made last generation of being able to play the same game at home and abroad and uh, the, th the promise that Microsoft has just begun uh, to, to make good on as well. Nintendo does in a totally different way than Microsoft did. Uh, so let's talk about the console itself. It is a tablet-ish device. Um, I call it that because it looks like one, though we have no idea whether or not the screen is uh, physically interactive. Nintendo has actually said we have no more information to reveal right now, which means they may not know. <laughs> uh, it, it's possible that it's not going to be touched. It's possible that they haven't made a decision yet. And it's also possible that the trailer was filmed with the devices completely off and all of the video was superimposed. And therefore, it's a whole lot easier to not try and deal with touching the screen in a video like that. So they just skipped it all together. We don't know because Nintendo won't say. What we do know is that the controls are both weird and wonderful. Um, so let's use a little surface here as our example, right? For those of you who are watching. So imagine we have your, you have your tablet and on the sides, click in uh, half controllers that are a little bit like a Wiimote, but not really. Uh, they're small, very thin. Um, much more so than like the the Wiimote ever was. And they can be used attached to the device or detached from the device. They look a lot like the Switch logo. <laughs> and um, they are basically the left and right half of a traditional controller. So much so that there is a, a piece that you can click these little controllers into the controllers have a name but i don't remember what it is now joy joy con the joy con left and joy con right and then there's the joy con grip which they can snap into and they look a lot like a traditional controller which is a pretty cool idea um then there's also a pro controller which is obviously more it looks a lot like a thinner version of a first-gen Xbox controller, uh, which is kind of interesting. And uh, we saw the Pro Controller in use with the, the device in the wild. We did not see the grip in use outside of the home, but I assumed that you would be able to. And then the home, there's a little dock. You click the thing into the dock and it comes up on the TV. All of the same stuff continues to work, except it comes up on the TV instead of the tablet. Uh, pretty cool concept uh it is essentially going to replace both the 
3DS line and the Wii line in one fell swoop, which is kind of a cool idea. It makes sense, right? It makes sense, right? I sure think so. I mean, the Convergence has, has been the name of the game for, for quite a while in computing, although we haven't quite gotten there. There's always been this, there's been talk over the last few years of, oh, your PC and your phone, your mobile and your not so mobile, uh, not as mobile coming together. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, we have devices, we have various attempts at that, both in the game world and the not game world. Sure. Uh, so, you know, like continuum on, on windows phone. Sure. Um, so there's enough processing power in mobile devices today to, to be a competent console, to be a good console. So why not? You know, absolutely. And I like, so Nintendo has said that the tablet at home, the tablet is still the brains of the, the machine, which is what I would have expected. Um, obviously what we don't know is whether or not it's going to work more like the Surface or the Surface Book, right? Because with the Surface, there's a dock that you can snap it into and put it up on a on a TV, like the docks we were talking about in the Pilch Point, right? Yeah. Uh, all of a sudden, you can hook it up to a, a TV or a, a monitor. You can have uh, speaker outputs and keyboard outputs and extra storage and all kinds of features. But then there's the Surface Book that when you snap it in, it gets a more powerful video card. So we don't know which one it's going to be more like. I'm certainly hoping for the Surface Book style where there's a a more powerful video card built into the base, but we don't know. And that's That's, okay because the console doesn't come out for five more months. (laughs) Yeah, that's – I mean that's an interesting question because – from my perspective, it always looked like Nintendo doesn't really try to give you, like, to, to win on performance usually with their consoles. Yeah. Like, I, I don't think anyone's ever accused, like, the Wii U of being, like, more powerful than the Xbox or the That's true. Or the PS4. In the, in the last two generations of home console, their goal was certainly to have a different type of game engagement. Right. I mean, they're all about the control, like the Wiimotes and, and different types of controller, mm-hmm. and that's how they innovate sure. versus trying to give you the most performance. Right. Now, on the other hand, if they if they ever want to use this thing for VR, um, which I guess they haven't said anything much about VR, right? It's, it's Nintendo who, of all of the companies on the planet, is probably the most gun-shy about VR because <laughs> of how badly... They handled the last time they tried it. Yeah, but they're going to, I mean, you can't, it's, for this next generation, you're going to have to be able to do VR in some way. Like, if it's not able to incorporate VR in some way, mm, that's a big missed opportunity. I mean, no, perhaps I can't do it out of the box, but it should have enough power to do it. On the other hand, Look, we have mobile phones that are powering VR headsets these right. days. So, and if they if they wanted to, you know, they wouldn't have to change out the tablet to make it VR capable. They'd only have to change out the home dock because if it's if it's like the Surface and they make it more like the Surface Book, they could throw that 
that uh, more powerful video card into the dock and then be off and running. I mean, there are yeah. there are ways with this setup to um, enhance the hardware over time without making you essentially throw away or retire the console. So it sounds interesting. I mean, I, I, I really like, uh, you know, that Nintendo has always been an innovator with the controls. For sure. Uh, it freaks my son out because he go <laughs> we we have a PlayStation uh-huh. and he goes to his cousin's house and his cousin has a Wii, or I think it's a Wii U, okay. and he's trying to play on it like the same, the same exact game on a different platform. Mm-hmm. It's like controllers. He's got a different controller because, <laughs> like, if you're at X, like Xbox and PlayStation, you can't even tell. I can't even tell the controllers apart. I think they have like pretty much all the same buttons. Yeah, there, but, there's certainly a similar physical layout. But, but with Wii, I mean, they're really doing something else. So. <laughs> You know, kudos to them. You know, I, I'm I'm curious to see how it works out. The uh, the internet response uh, when you take the um, the the jokes out of it, and we won't talk about that here because it's a family friendly show. But if you uh, <laughs> if you go search on Twitter for Nintendo Switch and uh, find some of the jokes, you'll probably laugh pretty good uh if you take them out the response online has been incredible uh i read comments on articles that you know people were like after the wii u i said i would never launch day another nintendo console and damn it nintendo you've changed my mind on this one so people seem to really like the idea different is good i'm 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 eager to see where they go with it Absolutely. Uh, different is good. Uh, sometimes different doesn't work. The Wii U, for example, um, was a problem for them. You know, uh, Mirror's Edge. You, you do something crazy and maybe it doesn't work. But uh, in this case, I think they're going to do something a little crazy and they're going to fulfill promises that other companies have made and have not been able to live up to. And Nintendo might be the one to get there first. Which is pretty impressive. Sony has missed their promise by about seven years. So I don't know that they're going to hit it. But um, uh, Nintendo might get there first in a really, really interesting way. So uh, March 2017 is when the console will come out. We've got five months until then. Uh, We will obviously hear a lot more about this console between now and then. Uh, They have had surprise... Uh, attendance at CES in the past and uh, that being kind of right in the middle between now and the launch of the console we might see them surprise us with attendance again this year Uh, that would be kind of cool because I'd like to put my hands on one of these things at some point I don't know about you (laughs) yeah I would love to see it well let's hope fingers crossed right (laughs) This week's news from the tubes on F5 Live is proudly powered by Riff Tracks. Make fun of movies, or, you know, let the professionals do it for you, because that's what they get paid to do. Uh, the guys who used to do Mystery Science Theater 3000 are back and doing what they do best, making fun of movies, from blockbusters to, 
I'm not kidding, it's called Jungle Goddess. They've got a little bit of everything. The way it works is for a couple dollars, you download the MP3, play it along with your DVD, Netflix, Amazon, Redbox, wherever you happen to have the movie, and laugh. Uh, from time to time, they mix things up and they have live events. The last one was Mothra. Uh, the upcoming one is Carnival of Souls. It is in theaters nationwide, live on October 27th. That is this week with a, um, a replay of the live event on October 31st, which of course is Halloween. Um, the live events are a tremendous amount of fun, but so are their short films. Uh, industry films and uh, the things you used to see in elementary school they make fun of all of them and to find out what short films are available what theaters that you can go to see Carnival of Souls and uh, to find out what movies they have uh, destroyed <laughs> you can go to f5live.tv slash uh, if you are a big fan of uh, The Walking Dead which is on as we speak or nope, it's just ended. Um, don't anyone tell me who died. Yeah, don't. We don't. We don't want to know anything about it. But if you're a big fan of the show, uh, they just released a riff of the uh, pilot, <laughs> which I am going to be watching this week because that seems wonderful. Anyway, so um, if you had been trying to purchase one of these riffs on Friday, you might have had some trouble. Obviously, probably everybody noticed that all sorts of parts of the internet weren't working. And by that, I mean everything from, um, I think, Ancestry.com to Spotify. <laughs> like, kind of everybody was affected by this. Fox News and CNN, uh, Business Insider. We've got a whole list of uh, the known sites that were uh, affected. And it was a lot of the internet. It was caused by what I refer to as an internet perfect storm. Two seemingly odd stories that have been coming across our desk for a little while came together to uh, end the internet for a little while. The first one is uh, something that's been uh, in my feed for a while now. I don't know if you guys were tracking it too, Avram, but uh, a couple weeks ago, the U.S. government put out an advisory about a botnet uh, consisting of over 500,000 uh, IoT devices. Um, and, of course, it is part of the biggest and scariest of the botnets, which, of course, that's the way it's going to, to be uh, Mirai. And so you take this this new collection of compromised uh, IoT devices and combine it with something that seems completely unrelated, but um, Julian Assange losing his internet access in the Ecuadorian uh, embassy in London, and you end up with a big portion of the internet coming to a halt. Huh. Because when you have that kind of power... It usually takes something to trigger you to do it, and WikiLeaks believes, and they always have lots of sources, WikiLeaks believes that the attack was initially prompted by 
two pieces of information coming out of Julian Assange. One, that the internet had been cut, and the second being what appeared to be a dead man's switch showing up on Twitter, where three uh, tweets came out with uh, uh, data hashes, some sort of encrypted data, one after another, that many believed to be a dead man's switch. Um, And considering how many governments, in particular ours, have uh, threatened to kill him. Hillary Clinton one time asked in the uh, in the White House whether or not he could just be killed with a drone strike. Um, <laughs> really? Wow. Yeah. She said, can't we just drone this guy? Um, there was certainly, I mean, there's certainly a lot. And then just a couple of weeks ago, he canceled uh, a public appearance uh, in London because of fears for his life all of a sudden there's something that looks like a dead man switch on twitter and the internet came to a halt Hmm. wikileaks uh later in the day once they put together what was likely happening uh tweeted uh please i wonder if i have the quote here oh mr assange is still alive and wikileaks is still publishing we ask supporters to stop taking down the u.s internet you proved your point um which I I can't imagine that they would have said something like that unless they had enough evidence to believe that that the attacks were in protest of what was believed to be Assange's uh, assassination. Uh, shortly after that tweet went out, the attack stopped. <sighs> well, so talk about an internet perfect storm, right? <laughs> I think the bigger the, – so that's interesting. I didn't really realize that it was likely to have been, come from his supporters. But no matter what the motivation is, the fact that it happened means that it can happen. Yeah. We've you we've know? certainly seen, seen much smaller versions of this, you know, uh, against the PlayStation Network and uh, Xbox Live and stuff like that. But – they certainly got creative on this one. Right. So the fact that they're able to do it and, you know, the they in this case, you know, if the they in this case is a bunch of, um, you know, hackers or whatever, well, um, you know, who are, I guess, you know, working supportive WikiLeaks, what happens if it's a, if it's a government that right. has probably more computing power? Mm-hmm. Uh, at their disposal I, I mean I don't know but um, it's uh, that's you know it's frightening it highlights uh, a couple of problems one uh, the apparent uh, relative ease of uh, breaking security on IOT devices right down to DVRs uh, were involved in this which is pretty impressive um, but on the other hand, just how poorly the internet is designed. Because the attack was only against one company. It just happened to be that that company is Dyn, who is the domain name server service for all of these companies. Yeah, well, so when that's their, a problem. When their domain name server went down, so did everybody else's. Uh-oh. I mean, there's a lot of points of failure, right? Like, what if you, what if you were to? I mean, uh, presumably they've 
presumably well i'm i'm sure dine has many different failover points too right but like you know a lot of things are hosted on aws by amazon like mm-hmm. If if somebody took down Amazon server, that would take down all. If they took down all of Amazon's AWS capacity, that would take down a lot of your favorite sites as well. But with Amazon, there's a there's a a wide surface area. With with Dyne, it's just their DNS servers. It's a it's a pretty small surface area for attack, which makes it kind of the ideal. Uh, service to attack it's you know in in years gone by you and i have discussed uh the issues that blackberry had with their with their email right that it was great that that everything was encrypted so long as you stayed blackberry to blackberry but on the other hand it did create a pretty narrow uh funnel for everything to go through and if that that funnel got clogged or got cut yeah. blackberries couldn't send or receive emails anymore and with dns that's exactly the same problem but on a much bigger scale so that's what we saw here um in the interest of full disclosure i do kind of feel like i need to point out that our ces coverage a couple of years ago was sponsored by dine um but obviously that doesn't have anything to do with our coverage here, but I, I feel like that's something that we should probably disclose. Um, they were, they were a good sponsor, but, um, in this particular case, using, using something like this for, for DNS, seems to be a problem. And I will say that our site went down for a little while, um, during this as well, which I thought was interesting because, um, we don't use, Dyn's DNS service, but uh, we got cut out for a little while too. I don't know what that means, but I have a yeah. I have a service monitor, and it's the first time that I've gone down since installing the service monitor, and we went down to seventy percent uptime for uh, for that day, which was not a good position to be in. I mean, it's scary. Anytime something like that happens, people are losing a lot of money. Um, over it and people lose money people lose their jobs so it's not a victimless crime absolutely by any stretch of imagination you know uh, sure you know amazon was it was amazon affected i think i read somewhere that they were sure a big site like amazon or, or ebay or whatever can can handle uh you know can absorb an hour or two of of losses and you know eventually sure. maybe the people will come and buy the thing they were going to buy during that hour anyway but uh for smaller websites uh that are you know that are not as famous uh the loss in traffic no matter how they uh, earn their revenue whether it's advertising or commerce or, or whatever right that could be really devastating uh for, for example one of the companies one of the sites that was affected was live stream <laughs> Um, so anybody like us who would have wanted to have broadcast on Friday and for a lot of, a lot of people, um, you know, Todd Cochran, who owns the tech podcast network is the CEO of the tech podcast network. Um, Jeffrey powers, who's one of the members, uh, you know, they make their living a hundred percent off of their shows. So, you know, you know, somebody like, like Geekazine who makes a living, but, isn't 
CNN, <laughs> yeah, losing losing an hour or four of of uptime can be personally devastating to the one guy who runs the company. So, uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. Definitely not a victimless crime. So, um, it it was an interesting story. Hopefully, we won't see more of it. Hopefully, by WikiLeaks saying, "Please stop." We understand you've made your point. Let's move on. Um, we can avoid some of this going forward. Fingers crossed, right? Yep. This week's DRM not included on F5 Live is proudly powered by Groove. Um, no matter where you are and what platform you have, you can use Groove. The same great music, even better experience. Uh, what's good can always be better. Um, for $9.99 a month, you can get all the music you love streamed to all of your devices, Windows, Windows Phone, Xbox uh, 360 and Xbox One, Android, iPhone, or directly through uh, the web player. And of course, you can also download music so that when the internet goes away for a couple of hours, you still have the ability to play your music. And you can do that on up to three devices. Um, you can get a th free 30-day trial right now by going to f5live.tv slash groove. So acquisitions seem to be all the rage lately. Wouldn't you say? Yeah. No, no, no. Well, this is just lately, but sure, there have been a lot of acquisitions of media companies from uh, Verizon buying yahoo and aol to uh univision uh buying uh the former gawker media sites you know i hadn't thought about that one um yeah and you and i have talked a couple of times over the last couple of uh big acquisitions about the idea of the telecom companies being interested in owning both the pipes and the water essentially uh, the distribution method and the distributed content, uh, and with with Verizon and the Yahoo and AOL purchases, that was pretty clear. AT and T purchased Directv, uh, so again, pretty clear uh, that they wanted a wider uh, distribution. And what was rumor when I wrote it, and has been confirmed since then. Uh, AT&T has uh, uh, agreed to purchase Time Warner for an ungodly amount of money. Um, $86 billion, I think, was the number that I saw. Uh, and so, you know, the first thing you think when you think Time Warner is, all right, so they bought another cable company. But no, there's more. Time Warner owns... Um, Turner Broadcasting, which means they own TBS and CNN. Um, they and TNT, right? Yes, and TNT and a number of other things under the Turner uh, umbrella. They own 
all of the uh, Warner Brothers uh, distribution um, from their their uh, television world, which means that they own theoretically they own half of uh, the CW, and uh, more importantly, they own HBO. So through this purchase, AT and T will be picking up one of the most respected content producers in HBO over the last couple of years. Um, And then also, you know, Turner, which is going to put them in in charge of CNN, which is a pretty big deal. That's a lot of content to pick up to add to their existing distribution methods. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, No joke. And, uh, does this give them any movie, any movies as well, or is it all television? Um, it seems like Time Warner has to own uh, movie stuff. I don't know if uh, I don't know if all of Warner Brothers is under that umbrella or not. I can't remember, but I know that the that the Warner Television stuff. Nope, it all of it. Warner Brothers Entertainment is an American entertainment company, a division of Time Warner. So that puts the entire Warner Brothers uh, stack in AT&T's control. That means that AT&T now owns Bugs Bunny. It's true. (laughs) They now own Bugs Bunny and the Roadrunner. (laughs) No, I mean, because Time Warner Cable used used Roadrunner for, for actually for branding. Yep. So, and then when they started to sell little bits of themselves off, they lost control of that because we have uh, Bright House Networks here, and it's still called Roadrunner. Yeah. <laughs> so you can totally, you can totally imagine uh, Bugs Bunny pitching you AT and T sometime in the near future. It won't. It's not just that though, because uh, keep in mind, uh, Warner Brothers is DC. Yeah, I know. Uh. Yeah, it could be. Uh, it could be you know, Superman. Superman. <laughs> could be Superman. It's interesting um, that we both went to Superman. Neither of us went to Batman. <laughs> Superman seems like a better choice for trying to pitch a broadband service. Sure. You know, or the Flash. Faster you know? than a speeding bullet. Yeah, sure. I'm with you. you. Um, oh, Roadrunner and the Flash could both be really good uh, spokespeople for broadband. Anyway. Yeah. Um, new, it's not surprising. New Line Cinema, that, Castle Rock Entertainment as well. Just throwing that out there. Sorry. Go ahead. It's, it's not surprising to me that AT&T would, would want to buy content um, because DirecTV wasn't really, you know, that just gives them kind of more extension of, of right. being in people's homes. Right. Um, yeah, it's not surprising to me at all. It gave them the um, ability to rebrand their U-verse uh, division, which they did. They rebranded the whole thing to DirecTV. It's kind of surprising, I guess, the economics of it that companies that that make basically sell network and and broadband services are so much more valuable that they can buy an entire entertainment like buying AOL or buying Yahoo or whatever. I mean, those are penny ante in comparison to buying all of Warner, sure. all of Time Warner. Sure. You know? um, I do so. find it interesting that AOL and Time Warner for a short period were. Uh, one in the same, and now they are owned by Verizon and theoretically AT&T, respectively. Yeah. Um, I guess this puts AT&T in a, uh, you know, 
my concern about all these things is that these companies are not content companies. Right. So are they going to handle the content companies properly? You know, they're not, they're not, they don't, I'm, you know, are they going to, are they going to continue to invest in the editorial quality of the stuff or are they going to try and use it to, you know, use it to pimp out their other services. Right. Are they, are they going to be Warner brothers handling of DC or are they going to be Disney's handling of Marvel? You know, are they, are they going to put their hands in it? Like Warner brothers did, or are they going to be hands off? Let them do their thing like Disney. And if they were going to be hands off, why are they doing? I like I, I I don't know. I don't understand. I mean, I guess it it's all leverage in a way because now they can't. You know, this puts them in somewhat of a position because you know they have it, and Comcast is in. I think you know a better consideration is that Comcast is NBC, right? right? So and NBC Universal as a whole is NBC Universal. So this actually, to me, seems more like. A, a more a more a bigger shot across the bow at at Comcast than at yeah. Verizon because definitely Verizon is buying web properties mm-hmm. uh, and uh, and while there's definitely a lot of web properties coming along with this with this purchase, um, you know this really makes them a huge player in a huge player in television. Yeah, in the entertainment world. As a whole, which is where Comcast went when they bought the the full stake in NBC Universal. Yeah. So, you know. And now, is, uh, now the two of them have the ability to uh, argue against one another because the the belief with the the Comcast NBC Universal purchase was had a lot to do with licensing fees, and now. You know, Comcast could kind of mess around with AT&T or Time Warner in the past over licensing, but now AT&T has all of the Time Warner stuff to throw back. So now you've got two big companies that have the ability to, to negotiate on a different level than when Comcast by themselves uh, this, was that this, big. This is a frightening trend to me because we don't know that these folks are going to be content people. Right. Are they are the people at CNN gonna start getting you know blowback if they do some report about net neutrality or something like you know it's um I don't know it's, or uh, or when uh like when CBS um, punished CNET for awarding the best of CES award to Dish Network that. I mean, that stuff is totally possible under a, a situation like this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you always have to worry about that. I mean, I guess they always had to worry about that anyway. Right. Because there's always going to be some corporate master and now yeah. it's now it's these folks, but it is a little bit, you know, it is a little bit um, disconcerting that the folks who are running the pipe are buying the content. Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, I guess we'll see. I mean, it doesn't really, except for the fact that it just makes them a much more powerful company, it doesn't really um, do anything to the competition for 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 broadband. I mean, 
you know, it helps them, you know, in terms of now they have some companies that can't say no to them in terms of giving them content or whatever, and that they can use against, you know, say Comcast, um, which, you know, the more these pipe companies buy these content companies, the more likely we are to see people losing channels off of their, uh, off of their package. That's true. Um, yeah. I mean, the more likely it's going to be that one of these is going to become a really big head-to-head and all of a sudden, you know, people who are on DirecTV or something don't get NBC anymore or something, you know, just making it up. But you know what I mean? Like, there's yeah. going to be – we see this happening all the time now with the carriage fees that the companies don't want to um, don't want to pay. Yeah. Um, I forget which channel it was. Was it Comcast? I'm, I'm uh, here in New York – the whole summer long, you could not get the people who are on that cable provider could not get Yankee uh, Yes, which is the Yankees network, because they had a disagreement. Mm. And then there was the there was the uh, Time Warner. Um, no, the Comcast Turner dispute, where a bunch of people lost access to the Turner stuff for a while. Yeah. I think we're going to see more stuff like that. Absolutely. Because now it's their direct competitor. Yep. You know, like on, wait a on second, lots of should... surfaces. Yeah. Yeah. Instead of, instead of just like on, on a small surface area, right now, now they're competing in a, a number of different faces. Yeah. It was like Quite. when, uh, when, um, uh, uh, Schmidt left the Apple board of directors because they were competing on too many Google and Apple were competing on too many fronts uh, for him to remain the same kind of thing. Uh, There's going to be lots of fronts that they're competing on now instead of just one or two. So uh, it'll be, it'll be interesting to watch the process because we know that this purchase is not finalized it is a long period of time before a purchase like this is finalized um, because AT&T of all companies knows that the FCC can get in the way of a purchase. Um, just ask them how T-Mobile went and you'll know how uh, in the way the FCC can be in a purchase like this. So it it ultimately it may not happen. Who knows? There's always Both the major possibility. party presidential candidates express concern about it. Yeah. So I, there's there's a lot potentially standing in their way and getting stepped on is more likely than not. Um, and again, if you need uh, an example, ask Comcast how their purchase of Time Warner went. Not well. Yeah. I mean, in that case, though, I have to say that was going to have a direct more direct effect on customers i feel like because you're taking away a competitor of comcast of comcast in the broadband space mm-hmm. whereas this is sort of allowing at&t to play in a space that they haven't really been playing in much well if if you think about uh comcast and time warner very few places do both of them exist together but how many places do Time Warner and AT&T exist together? In that case, you're you're legitimately taking away a competitor in the cable and uh, broadband space. 
That's true. So I think I think there's going to be a lot of fighting in this. I think it's going to be fascinatingly contentious. <laughs> in in the same way that the AT and T Timo deal was fascinatingly contentious, and uh, Nick wrote about it all the time because it was such an interesting thing to watch. I think this is going to be just as interesting to watch. So uh, we will obviously uh, keep you posted on this through both Plunkett's Live and I imagine at some point we'll see updates from you guys on it as well as it, yep. if it gets yeah. too contentious. So, yep, no um, doubt. So uh, definitely uh, on Plunkett's Live and Tom's Guide, you'll be able to see uh, updates on this story over the probably 12 to 18 months that this is going to take. It took what, 11 before AT&T and Timo fizzled. So my guess is it'll be a year to a year and a half before we have any idea what's going to happen here. So yep. definitely keep you posted. And that is our show. Uh, thank you for sticking with us for the whole thing. If you uh, were live with us in the chat room, thank you very much. We've had some people in and out, which... Is always fun. If you've uh, subscribed, that is okay too. If you're a subscriber and you want to join us live Sunday nights, 9 p.m. Eastern, f5live.tv slash join us. If you joined us live, you want to subscribe, f5live.tv. Click the subscribe buttons on the right-hand side. From there, you can get all of our shows. And you can uh, follow us on all of the social media platforms as well. Uh, there, you can get updates when we... Uh, go live on Facebook or uh, Periscope. You can get uh, updates when we get uh, when we publish new articles and new episodes. In particular, the first looks stuff that's coming out over the next couple of days. You'll definitely want to be subscribed to follow along on that. Uh, with that, on behalf of the staff that's not here, I'm Scott. I'm Avram. And we will see you guys back next week. Ciao.